Acts chapter number three and verse number one. If you found it, say amen. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto him. He leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I want to preach for a while this morning on the subject, don't miss your moment. Look at somebody and tell them, don't miss your moment. Today is somebody's moment. Today is somebody's moment. God, I thank you for your people, for this great congregation of people. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that the power of your word would grip our mind and heart against every mindset every idea, every philosophy, every theology that is against your word. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the gift of faith to operate in this house today. Lord, for the supernatural anointing and for the gifts of your spirit to flow in your body today. God, I ask you to have your way, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would do a work of your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Hey, can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning? This event, which you have heard this morning, read from the pages of the Holy Bible, is one of the most often preached about scriptures in many of our churches. It is a challenge to preach a passage that is so common to the congregation that the hearer is tempted to think 
that they already know all that there is to gather from that passage. I hope you'll allow me to preach a common passage once again today. And I pray that you'll ask the Lord to speak a fresh anointed word into your spirit today. In this passage of scripture, there are three principal characters. The drama that is to play out in Jerusalem on that day nearly 2,000 years ago. There is a lame man that serves as the central point of this story. The man had been lame from his mother's womb. Born with some kind of an ailment that caused him to live a life of poverty and begging. Apparently, as long as this young man was in his parents' care, they provided for him, but now perhaps they've passed and he is now on his own. It was not infrequent for there to be beggars and people depending on the charity of others to survive. He was not unique or uncommon. He was not rare. As a matter of fact, there is many writings that suggest that he was at this particular gate, which was one of the less trafficked entrances to the temple because the other entrances were already crowded with other people needing and requesting. You also have the two apostles of the Lord, Simon Peter and John. These two men were doing what the common religious people of their day did. They were going to the temple, the house of God, to pray at the common hour of prayer. Another, another event that was not unique or uncommon or rare. You have a lame man that was every day at the temple. And you have Simon, Peter, and John who daily went to the temple to pray. What we're reading so far is a daily common occurrence. It is the daily ritual of three different men. While they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer, Peter and John come upon this lame man who is laying again as he does every day at the gate, beautiful. There is no record that I know of elsewhere, either in the scripture or anywhere else in writing that indicates that these Two, that these parties had ever spoken to each other before. The reality of the situation is that they had been in proximity of each other many times. They went often, Peter and John, to the temple to pray. And the lame man was laid daily at the gate. They had apparently been close to each other Many occasions, as their usual habits brought them into proximity, this man had been close to a miracle every day and didn't know it. 
The disciples had daily passed a need and had never said a prayer. So the lame man consumed with his begging and the disciples consumed with their religion. Every day, let opportunities for the supernatural pass them by. But on this particular day in Acts chapter number three, something very different took place. It was a moment of destiny that is still being preached about 2,000 years later. Neither party, the apostles nor the lame man, realized that what was getting ready to happen or that what would take place would leave such a mark on history. To them, it was a matter of routine. It was their habit. It was their daily ritual. To the apostles, it was another day of religious activity. Just another church day. They woke up at some point in the morning, went about their daily activities, probably stoked a small fire to cook some breakfast, did whatever rituals they had been accustomed to, got dressed in a manner appropriate for going to the temple. It was just another day, not different than all the others. To the lame man, it was another humiliating day of begging. The Bible said in Acts 3 and 2 that he was carried and laid daily at the gate of the temple. He, either by friend or family or some other means, was carried by other people and laid down at the gate of the temple to begin his begging. It appears that for these three men, it was just a normal, average day. The previous chapter tells us of the amazing birth of the church in the upper room. But today was not about the upper room. It appears, perhaps, that this was the first day back to normal, if you will. They were getting back into the routine of their lives after having been in the upper room for 10 days praying and seeking God and then being baptized with the power of the Spirit. The page turns from chapter 2 to chapter 3 and now they're just getting back into their normal, everyday life. To Peter and John, it was just another hour of prayer, like the one they had yesterday and the day before that and the week before that and the month before that. From the time they were little boys raised in the temple, they knew that it was the hour of prayer. And so according to the routine of their life, they went to the temple and they, recite, they were going to recite their prayers and call on God. And to the lame man, it was just another request for money, hoping for a coin of some sort. Neither party understood the magnitude of the approaching moment. In the ancient world, it was commonplace to associate outer physical characteristics with inner moral qualities. The practice of finding a relationship between the physical and the moral is known as I wish I had practiced this word. 
physiognomy, perhaps. In the Bible, we find this mindset in the story of a blind man that Jesus healed. When the Pharisees asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? They associated that because this man is blind, somebody has done something wrong to make it happen. This mentality permeated the ancient society. So many of the religious people who were going into the temple to pray, when they passed this lame man, they assumed somehow that it was caused by some moral failure or sin on somebody's part. Perhaps it explains why the apostles could walk by him for years on their way to the temple and never take the time to pray for him or interact with him. When they saw the lame man, perhaps they assumed he's there for some good reason, something he's done, some failure has caused him to be in that condition. You can sit there and say amen, but when you pass people who are begging, you know you say the same thing. In your mind, you're thinking they ought to get a job. Well, maybe I should just say sometimes I think that. But maybe it explains why the apostles had walked by this lame man over and over and over. And there's no record that at any point they ever stopped and took time to address his situation. They had no idea that before they made it back, to wherever they were staying in Jerusalem that night, that the whole city was going to be set on fire with revival by what was getting ready to happen in just a moment. To them, it was just a walk to the gate of the temple. But to God, it was an approaching, pouring out of revival on the city of Jerusalem. Every step they took, they were unaware that they were getting closer to the breakthrough, closer to a revival. The lame man, the lame man left his place that morning. Amen. Wherever it was that he stayed, he certainly didn't know that this was the last morning he was going to have to wait on somebody else to pick him up. He had no idea that by tomorrow morning, I don't have to wait for somebody to carry me to the temple anymore. This is the last time I got to stop at the gate to beg. Nevermore will I have to reach my hand out and hope that somebody's kindness will give me enough just to get through the day. They didn't realize the magnitude of the moment that was coming their way. It was no different than any other day. No different than any other morning. No different than any other hour. But there was a magnitude to the moment attached to that day. I wonder how many history-making events that we have passed up because we were so busy in our ritual that we failed to realize that it was a moment of destiny and a moment of change. That it was a, it's more than a Sunday morning. It's an opportunity. It's more than another sermon. It's a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. When you got up this morning, 
It was just another Sunday morning. Whatever your ritual is, you got up, brushed your teeth, made some coffee, got something to eat, maybe took care of your kids, figured out what you were going to wear to church. Maybe you fussed with your spouse a little bit. If it's going to happen, it'll probably happen on a Sunday. Maybe you, maybe you fussed with your siblings or your children, a typical day like every other day. When you get, got dressed, it was just for another trip to church. When you pulled into the parking lot, it was just another Sunday morning service, just finding a parking spot, trying to get in and find a seat. I realize that to many of us, this is just another church service. It's like what we did last week and the week before that and the week before that, like we did a year ago today or five years ago, just another day. But to somebody, this is a moment in time that God has chosen to give you a breakthrough, to turn your life around. What I'm trying to do on this Sunday morning is I'm trying to raise your awareness. I'm trying to elevate your thinking to that this is not just another church service and not just another sermon and not just another day. But this is a moment that God has designed for everything to change. Hallelujah. Man, when I was a young preacher, they used to tell me I preached by the mile per hour. One pastor said, you were preaching so fast, I couldn't tell but you what you were saying, but I could feel it. I think God made me old and fat so I could actually talk to people. So I had to breathe a little bit. I want to raise your thinking this morning that it is entirely possible That God has brought us together on this day for a history-making moment in somebody's life. Woo! If I could just get just a mustard seed of faith in somebody's heart, that this could be my day. This could be the day that it turns around. This could be the day that I go home different. You might have pulled in the parking lot thinking it was just another Sunday, but this might be the last day that you'll ever have to carry that cross or that burden again. The man was laid daily at the gate of the temple. The temple was the place where the presence of God dwelled among the people. Here were these two Holy Ghost-filled apostles going to the temple at the ninth hour, and the way it says it, being the ninth, being the hour of prayer, being the ninth, it's just like that's just what happens. The scripture lends itself to the understanding that this is what happens every day. Every day at the ninth hour is the hour of prayer. It's just what they did. These two Holy Ghost filled men of God going to the temple at the hour of prayer as what seems to be their usual circumstance. The man was carried by other men to the gate of the temple. It seems as if this is a common thing for him. Then you have Peter and John going in and out of that temple. 
The man had one thing on his mind that day. Alms, charity, money. The man was just a few feet outside of the temple. So close to the presence of God. This man asked for something that would just sustain him in his current condition. What he was asking for, he knew was not going to heal his ankles. He knew that a coin, a little bit of money, was not going to heal his legs. But all it'll do is just get me by for a little bit longer. There are people who often get caught in such a poor spiritual condition. If I can say it, and it not be offensive. They, un- they have accepted some level of spiritual lameness. They've been spiritually lame for so long that they've given up on the hope of ever getting better. And now they're just trying not to die before the next time. Trying not to pass away before the next church service. I've given up on seeing revival. Now I'm just trying to have survival. I'm not hoping for a great future. I just hope I can still be around by next Sunday. The goal is not to completely lose your soul this week. Amen. This man resigned himself to being at the gate. He had gone daily as far as he could go. His vision was only sustained to where he was. I've gone as far as I can go. And there are good people on pews right now who are stagnated spiritually because you've accepted that this is all I'm ever going to be able to have. I've given up hope for revival. I've given up hope for real joy. I've given up hope on real peace. This is all. If I could just get enough to get by until next Sunday, I'll be okay. I've made it here and that's all I can hope for. You know, can I talk to your heart for a minute? You know you have needs. You know you need God. Amen. You don't have to say amen out loud, but at least say it in your mind. Be real with yourself. You know you need God to do something in your spirit. You know that you need God to heal your heart, to touch your mind. To reinvigorate your soul. You know you need more of God than what you've got right now. But you've resigned yourself that the gate is as far as I'm ever going to get to go. And I'll never get to go in further than where I am. And you've resigned yourself. So if I could just get enough to be back in the same place next week that I am right now. If I can just get enough to get back to the gate. That's all. I just don't want to starve to death tonight. And so the lame man reaches out his hand asking for alms. A feeble attempt to just get by for another day. Asking alms was only hoping for survival. It had no hope for a better life. No hope for improvement. Just subsistence. Just get by. He didn't realize that over the hill coming down the Mount of Olives 
towards the beautiful gate of the temple was an opportunity approaching him. Walking the cobbled pathway towards the beautiful gate of the temple, approaching from the side of the Mount of Olives was a man that had the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Two men full of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He was satisfied being at the gate just trying to get by, but heading his way was an opportunity for a breakthrough. There are some here this morning that you're satisfied merely being sustained, satisfied by just getting to the gate. I've come to church. I'm good with that. I'm satisfied. I've made it as far as I need to go. Letting your spiritual disability keep you from going further in God. He wanted something that would temporarily satisfy a little money. Peter and John offered him what he needed to take his life to a level it had never been at. When he asked for money, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. When this man reached out his hand for a coin, what he got back was an opportunity. When he reached out for an offering, what he got back was an opportunity, a moment. there's a whole bunch of you already know where I'm going most of you do but I keep I keep having to re-hit it because I'm trying to collect more people I'm trying to collect more people and shake them out of that mentality that this is all I'll ever have this is all I'll ever be I'll never get beyond where I am right now his paradigm the lame man's paradigm only allowed for a grim future at the mercy of others, passing him a coin. His self-confidence only saw himself as a beggar for the rest of his life. But when Peter and John, full of the Holy Ghost, looked at him, they saw him as a man that had the ability to walk and leap and worship and praise God. You may see yourself this morning as barely having enough to get to the gate with no hope of going any further. But I see you through the lens of God's word. I see you already walking and leaping and praising God. There's some of you that spiritually you don't look like you're ready for a breakthrough. But in my mind, I already see in the altar. I already see God moving. I already see the Holy Ghost coming on you. You gotta have somebody in your life that can see more in you than what you see in yourself. You gotta have a man of God that will preach faith into your soul. I are. Oh, Jesus. I wish somebody praised God with me right now. Hallelujah. You just see yourself. You just see yourself as barely getting to the gate with no hope. You may be here and all you can see in yourself are hurts and scars, failures, addictions, weakness and shame, guilt, self-loathing, doubt, fear, miserable with spiritual disabilities. But by faith in the word of God, I see you today as healed and happy 
functioning and delivered, anointed and worshiping. You ought to thank God that God and your pastor don't accept that you're going to stay at the gate for the rest of your life. You need more than just to be sustained until next Sunday. You need God's power to set you free this morning. They said, rise up and walk. They didn't ask him to walk. They didn't ask him if he wanted to walk. They didn't ask him if he believed he could walk. They just commanded him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm not asking you today to go beyond the gate. I'm not asking you if you believe you can get beyond the gate. I'm not asking you if you think you can have a better life. I'm telling you right now, get up and walk. Somebody's got to tell you. So I'll tell you, get up out of your pain. Get up out of your weakness. Get up out of your lethargy. Get up out of your laziness. Get up and let's walk and let's go on. You have it in you to be more than you are. Oh, I wish somebody would help me praise God right now. There's so much potential. There's so much potential in this room right now. I'm not talking about the holy rollers that are here all the time. I'm talking in pews, in hearts that haven't moved. There's so much power in people that think they can't do it, that it could revolutionize this world. Get up and walk. The apostles took the man by the hands and lifted him up. I'm trying to lift you up by the word of God today. I'm trying to take you by the hand and lift you out of your depression. Trying to take you by the hand and lift you out of your sin. Peter and John spoke the word, but it took an act of faith on the part of the lame man to even try to get up. I can speak the word to you today, but only you can start the process of getting up. Peter and John took him by the hand The church reached out to help pick him up. I wonder this morning if there are any worshipers here, any prayer warriors here, any intercessors here that by faith will reach out a hand in prayer right now that today can be a different day for somebody. I wonder if I got a worshiper here that by faith can reach out a hand to create an atmosphere where the supernatural can flow, where the gift of faith can operate. I'm talking about a life change. Is there anybody here that you can testify that you came to church one day and you had no hope for a change? You had no plan for a change, but by the time you walked out the door, everything had changed. Do I have a witness here? Of somebody that you came in bound and broken and wounded and hurting. But by the time you turned and walked out, a miracle had happened in your life. I'm telling you, it can happen. It can happen. It can happen. It's here. It's the magnitude of your moment. Don't miss your moment. Flow in the Holy Ghost. He's here right now. There's a supernatural anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. 
to revolutionize somebody's life. You say, well, pastor, I didn't come here for this. It didn't matter if you came here. The lame man didn't go that day. But what he didn't understand was God had been planning that moment long before he had ever got up that morning. God had already orchestrated the event because God understood that in that lame man was a walker and a leaper and a praiser. He didn't see it in himself, but God saw it in him. He didn't think it of himself, but God thought it of him. Can I tell you, you may see yourself as an addict and that's all you think you'll ever be, but I'm telling you that God sees you as more than an addict. God sees you as more than an alcoholic. He sees you as more than a sinner. You might have, you might have it in your mind that this is all I'll ever be, but that's not, that's not at all in God's mind today. God has orchestrated this moment with you in mind. I wish somebody just raised their hand and say, God, I don't know if that preacher is preaching to me, but I want it. It's the magnitude of my moment. Woo, hallelujah. Jesus. Anybody feel what I feel here right now? I wish somebody would help me pray. I wish somebody would pray the gift of faith would get a hold of somebody. That they're finding it hard to believe that this message is for them. Can I tell you, if you're in this room right now, this message is for you and for your family. It's for your marriage. It's for your children. It's for your mind. It's for your heart. Don't you discount the moment. Don't miss your moment today. Woo, Jesus. Oh, come on. Help me pray. Help me pray right now. There's a supernatural encounter getting ready to happen for somebody. There, but there needs to be a hunger. There needs to be the gift of faith to get a hold of your heart and say, God, there is more for me. I refuse to accept living at the gate anymore. Come on. There's some folks here. There's some folks that you've been in church your whole life, but you know deep down in your spirit that there ought to be more in your life than what you're experiencing. I'm trying to preach a hunger into your heart that I can go to another level. Come on, help me pray. There's some things that only happen by prayer and fasting. The more me preaching, it's not going to change. Some things, it's got to happen in somebody's mind. There's got to be an acceptance that this word is for me. This is my moment. This is my time. This is my hour. The Bible said immediately. How quick can something change? Immediately. How fast can my life turn around? Immediately. How fast can I get my joy back? Immediately. How fast can I be delivered? Immediately. How fast can my life be turned around? Immediately. How fast could my marriage be healed? Immediately. Is that what was wrong? Got fixed in the presence of God. Immediately. Don't miss your moment.
Jesus. I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach for the gate, people. I'm trying to reach for the gate, people, right now. The gate, people. Just... I'm trying to reach for the people that find themselves at the gate right now. And you've been here over and over. You've been this far before. And it feels like this is the limit of where you can go. But I'm trying to tell you that by the time he was done, the Bible said he entered into the temple. He took, he went to a place he had never been before. He went to a place that he had never been able to reach because his mentality all of a sudden got elevated by the touch of God in this place. So God, what I'm asking you to do is touch somebody right now and help them for their mentality to move beyond the gate into the presence of God. Oh, come on, all over this place. Let's pray. Will, aren't you glad that a few weeks ago, everybody didn't just say, well, Will's never going to be anything. He's just going to be in that same place for the rest of his life. He's just going to dwell there. Aren't you glad that somebody believed that you could have more than just staying at the gate? Aren't you thankful for restoration and new life and joy and peace? Aren't you thankful that he's a God that moves people beyond the gate? Come on, I'm preaching. Come on, stand with me, but don't you walk out. If I could lock those doors, I would. Brother Mike, nothing frustrates me more than when I say everybody stand, they hit the gate. If you got to go to the bathroom that bad, don't drink coffee before church anymore. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get somebody to say, yes, I want it. I'm tired of where I've been. I'm tired of the same old routine. I'm tired of the same old mess. I'm hungry. But look, you got to get up. You got to get. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, get your praise back. In the name of Jesus, get your worship back. In the name of Jesus, get your walk with God back. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Somebody ought to walk to this altar right now. Somebody ought to get so tired of where you've been that you break out from where you're at. And you ought to walk. You ought ought to run to this altar is what you ought to do. You ought to sprint to the altar. You ought to push people out of your way if you got to. This is your moment. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. God, this is my moment. This is my time. It's my season. It's my day for a breakthrough. It's my day for a breakthrough. It's my day. Come on, y'all, to say it with me. This is my day. 
You ought to say it. This is my moment. This is my time. This is my hour. God, because you sent this word to this congregation and you caused us to convene the apostles and the lame man. God, because you brought us together at this moment, I believe this word is for everybody within the walls of this church and everybody watching online right now. I believe this message is for the one that's the furthest away and the one that's the nearest at the gate. I believe, God, you sent this message into this place to heal somebody's heart, somebody's mind, somebody's soul. God, I believe you've sent it for everybody in this place right now. There's not a man or woman or young person that this message isn't for today. It's my moment. Somebody ought to raise your hand and say, this is my moment. You ought to talk to God right now. It's not a sermon. It's a moment. Open your mouth and praise him. There's something happening in intercessory prayer right now. There's something happens when God's people dig deep down into their soul and they pour it out to God. God, I need a change. I don't want to be carried again. I don't want to have to bang again. I want to lay at the gate again, God. For somebody, this today was the last day that you have to beg before God for the rest of your life. over, pray with somebody close to you. Be led of the Holy Ghost. God, let healing virtue flow here. Go ahead and lift your voice. Lift your voices out loud and pray one for another. Speak hope. up out of this place right now. The prayer of the desperate. The prayer of the hungry.
time, why don't you reach over to somebody close to you? Why don't you pray and ask the Lord to touch them? Pray one for another. Ask for the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Pray that God lets this word get settled in our spirit. Can you help me pray that this is more than just a moment? Just a little sermon, but that it gets down in our heart. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. right let's pray the hand of God is moving here the presence of the Lord is in this place thank you Jesus Can we give the Lord thanks for his presence in this place? We're getting ready to change the order of the, of the service. We're going to do a baby dedication in just a moment. I want to remind you of the visitation today from 2 to 5 for Sister Jan Lemons. And then the service tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Tonight, the Lord's given me a message 
titled The Law of Revival. If you want to know how to have revival, I believe God's going to speak a word to somebody. So remember that. Also, also, first steps will follow the service in the dining room of the educational facility. And uh, we're getting ready to do a baby dedication. I'd like for the Goolsby family, if they would, to be coming. And while they're coming, we want to pray for Brother Polston. He fell and uh, he has called in for prayer. So can we pray, God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray you touch with Polston, Lord. God, I pray that you would touch his body and give him your health, strength, and help in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for your answered prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to dedicate two children. Say, Ray, if you, if you all, whoever wants to come, all the families welcome, invited. Amen. We are going to dedicate Amelia Allison Goolsby. We know her as Millie. Such a sweet little girl born November the 2nd of 2015. I said she was sweet and she just hit Trip. But I'll admit it, Trip deserved it. I watched it. <laughs> and we're going to dedicate Elsie Rain Goolsby, born November the 4th of 2022. Amen. Boy, I love this family. Baby dedication ceremony is a public declaration of a family before God and man acknowledging, first of all, gratitude that these children are gifts from God. This family recognizes that they need God's wisdom and help in raising these children. With His help, you will do your best Set an example, and by the grace of God, these children will follow in the ways of the Lord. A baby, baby dedication is a family time. When families commit themselves to abide by the principles of God's word, to raise children according to his standard. And so, as I say in every baby, baby dedication, we're not only dedicating children to the Lord, but we're dedicating ourselves as examples. Psalms 22 and 10, the psalmist wrote, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. A more easy to understand version says, from the day I was born, I've been in your care, and from the time of my birth, you've been my God. The Bible declares three points. I went like that, but I meant like that. Three points in regard to what we're doing here this morning. Number one, we're acknowledging that children are a precious gift from God. Their lives are sacred because they're created in God's image. Number two, that in spite of the innocent beauty of children, we recognize that they were born into a world of sin. And when they come of age, that they need to be born again. And number three, this dedication declares that Jesus is the Savior. And we're inviting him into the lives of these children because he knew that they needed him. 
Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so the Bible provides an example for us in the fact that Mary and Joseph took Jesus himself to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. One of the blessings of baby dedication is to be able to tell your children as they are growing up that they belong to Jesus and that you've asked God's blessing on them. When I pastored in Indiana, we had mostly first generation people. They were, most of them we picked up from the jail. And I did a baby dedication and I had multiple people after church come to me and say, I was never dedicated. I don't have that. And so the next Sunday we dedicated like 80 people. It means something for a family to stand before God and say, God, we need you. And it means something to a child as they grow and face difficulty that as a family, you can look at them and say, we dedicated you to God as children and God promised he would keep you. And so the Bible gives us an example in Hannah when she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And she said, for this child I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition. I say this in every baby dedication, but really this is a parental dedication. The Bible tells us of the responsibilities that God has entrusted to Christian parents. They include, according to Job 1 and 5, continually praying for your children. Proverbs 22 and 6, training them and instructing them in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 20 and 7, setting a God, godly example. And Proverbs 29, 15 and 17, giving them loving discipline and correction. Raising godly children in this modern culture is a difficult task. One of the reasons my wife and I waited so long to try to have children is we were afraid of trying to raise them in, a, in the world. And that was a long time ago. Raising godly children in this culture is difficult, but you can do it. Sarah Ray, the Bible gives you a promise. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can raise your family to serve God. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It is God's commandment that you teach His ways to your children. 
And so we raise our children in faith in obedience to this command. This family has brought Elsie Rain and Millie Allison to present them to the Lord and to pledge themselves to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so to this family, I ask you today to answer we do to these following promises. Do you here on this day recognize that these children are gifts from God and give heartfelt thanks to God for his blessings? Do you on this day promise to give this, these children every possible benefit of home, school, and church and to protect and provide for them? Do you here on this day ask God's blessing upon them to guide, guard, and direct them through all of their years? And do you promise to always raise these children in the truth of God's holy word, putting the Lord first in all matters, and to live an example of faithfulness, holiness, and virtue before them in such a way that your words and actions will not conflict? This is the best part for me. I love this part. I told Sarah Ray last week when we talked that I hadn't got to hold the baby yet. And she said, well, I'll go get her. And I said, no, I'm going to save it. Oh, I almost, I almost forgot. I'm going to need that in a minute. I got detained in Russia and questioned for like three hours. And they were going through my phone. I thought, I'm going to have to explain to them what a baby dedication is. Because they're going to wonder why I got pictures of me with about 100 babies on my phone. I survived. Amen. Come here, Millie. He said he wanted to see me pick her up. You don't have to help me walk. Bishop Wilson, will you come help me pray for these children? Why don't we all stand? This will be our dismissal this morning. I say it all the time. It takes a church to raise children. Every single one of us in this place, your example of worship and prayer makes a difference in children. Amen. Bishop Wilson, will you pray? Let us all pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father. Thank you for these children that you've given to these parents. Thank you for blessing them in such a wonderful way. Lord, we give these children back to you today, asking, Lord, that you would touch them physically, ask you to touch them mentally, but most of all, ask you to touch them spiritually. When they come to the age, Lord, that you touch their hearts and minds, happen to be baptized in your wonderful name, the only name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And then, Lord, help them receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost that would lead and guide them and keep them in every day. Thank you for these parents here today. 
God, I pray that you would help them to set their priorities on raising these girls in such a wonderful way, the only way of salvation. Let them know that this is important. Their lives are important to them as an example. Help them to be what you want them to be. Touch the remainder of these family and friends here today. Give us grace. Give us strength. Give us hope. Help us to serve you in every way so that these children will be saints of God in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.